Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly podcast and radio show. Happy Monday morning if you're listening on WNHH 103.5 FM, New Haven's community radio station. We're recording this episode on September 19th for a Monday, September 26th release date, by the way. My name's Eugene Driscoll. I'm joined by my co-host, Ethan Fry. Hey now. Uh, hello, Ethan. Hello, how are you? You skipped ahead of my script. You said hello before that the pot, this part well, where I, I... I said, hey now, yeah. yeah. So we're both reporters from valleyindy.org, a nonprofit online newspaper. And today we're continuing our discussion of Connecticut's 104th State Assembly District. Covers a good chunk of Ansonia and Derby. And our guest this morning is State Representative and Deputy House Speaker Linda Gentile. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I just got to ask you right off the bat, because I'm terrible with pronouncing. Am I saying, is that how you say your, I heard Gentile, that is it's Gentile. Unless you're Italian, then you say Gentile. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> okay, there's a, there's a third way. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us uh, this morning. So, uh, let's talk about uh, Connecticut state politics. You were up for uh, re-election. That is correct. And you were first elected to state office in 2004, mm-hmm. succeeding Vin Tanucci. That's right, from a dear friend of mine. Who's also a Democrat. Yeah, he's a character. I like, And he's got like the greatest name in politics. You know, like, <laughs> he was born to be a politician. Tanucci. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, in 2008, just quickly going through your uh, background for our listeners, you were reelected by 87% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And then the last time you won re-election by something like 1,700 votes. So, and this is maybe me editorializing, those were sort of cakewalks for you. The, the opposition wasn't all that. I'm not mm. meaning to disparage the opposition, but the campaigns, it wasn't a real uh, threat or, or challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's things that are perhaps maybe different uh, this time, and I was thinking specifically about two things, one happening on the state level and one happening on the national level. Governor Malloy, in June, his approval rating was, was poor, something at like 24%. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Donald Trump is the Republican candidate for president. And at least judging from our Facebook page, and that's, mm. I have no idea if this is actually, we haven't done any data, we don't have any pollsters working for, working for us. But he seems to have support in the Valley. And I'm wondering if those two things, if, if it changes or affects your game plan going into this election from my perspective nothing changes the game plan i always run as if i'm the underdog but i'd like to prefer to think that it's because of my record that i win so handily Um, obviously i am very very serious about what i do Uh, i represent ansonia and derby and ansonia and derby need a strong leader and i'm very proud of my record and you know just taking it back for a moment i'm always confused by this which parts of ansonia and derby do you represent? Because I live in Derby, but actually, uh, Teresa Conroy is my state rep because I'm in that one part of Derby that I guess you the don't West cover. Side. Yeah, how's it work? What, what's like? What's like the break? Yeah, due to redistricting a couple of years ago, which is done every ten years, uh, whether we need to or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> the districts are looked at, and according to the census da- data, uh, then they redistrict and they form new lines and boundaries and so forth, and. It's ironic because Derby is probably one of the smallest cities in the state of Connecticut at five point something miles, square miles, and they actually have three representatives. Mm. Um, Themis represents the total east side of Derby, like from the river, um, St. Michael's Church over. Mm-hmm. 
Teresa, as you mentioned, represents the side of Derby that abuts Seymour area on the west side. And I have a small piece of the west side as well, down, like, say, from the hospital down to around Ryan Field type thing. Does that create any challenges to represent the people of Derby when there's... I'd like to think it doesn't, actually. I think um, we all work together, and uh, we take our jobs very seriously, and, you know, we do whatever is best. And then just getting back to my initial question about uh, Malloy's uh, unpopularity, coupled with the fact uh, we've, we're in this presidential race, uh, the likes of which I don't think we've seen before. I mean, it's remarkably mm. uh, an ugly campaign happening. It's not, a very divisive campaign. Not in our lifetimes campaign. anyway, no. Right. Uh, are you sensing anything among people? Because uh, Trump seems to be representing this sort of uh, dissatisfaction or unsatisfaction among people. Uh, and I think like your opponent this year, uh, Joseph Yauman of Ansonia, he, he wasn't a Republican until fairly recently. Mm-hmm. And he so there seems to be a lot of people he, he, he joined because he or he joined the Republican Party and he's running because he says he doesn't like where the state is going in terms of economic development. And he thinks there's a need for a change. And we, and we keep hearing that over and over. And I'm wondering, you're connected to the people of Ansonia and Derby. Do you hear anything uh, among the voters? Are they... Yeah, I'm actually very, very closely connected to the uh, voters of Ansonia and Derby. Um, I've been very accessible, and they're very open with me and very honest. Uh, um, whenever they send me an email, I respond to it, with, usually within 24 to 48 hours. Very, um, very quick turnaround. Whenever they call me, uh, I always return calls again within the 24 or 48-hour period. And they're very open and honest about sharing things. And yes, there is a level of frustration. And it's understandable. Um, This great uh, recession that we've gone through is unlike anything that we've ever seen. And it's just taking that much longer to come out of it. So people are working harder than they've ever worked before. And they're, they're making barely as much or maybe even less than what they were. So yeah, there's a big level of frustration out there. So you sense it sure, as well. Sure, And then one thing that your opponent has mentioned, or all Republicans mentioned, uh, during Governor Malloy's first term in office, you voted for that tax uh, increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that now, now that we're a few years removed from it? Because it doesn't seem like the state, we're recovering from this recession still, uh, all these years later. Yeah, I think we've made we've made great strides in recovery. Are we totally recovered? No, but we are on our way. And um, with regard to those votes, I mean, I did at that point not necessarily what I wanted to do, but I, at the time what I felt I had to do to preserve the programs and the services that are important to the working people, especially of Ansonia and Derby. I mean, without some of these programs, these people would have nothing. Um, and that to me was, was very important. And I think it's important to understand too, when you look at a budget document, I mean, the budget document is several hundred pages. Um, believe me, I re- I have read them all. Um, unlike, unlike my opponent who admits that he hasn't read a whole budget, but, uh, I've sat down and I've looked at every page and, uh, you know, there are some real priorities that need to be preserved uh, to people here in the Valley, especially in Sonia and Derby. And there are some real programs that need to be preserved because they are successful. I mean, you know, one of the things that is probably the most important thing is business. 
you know, economic development and businesses. We have a program in the state of Connecticut, the Small Business Express Program and the STEP Program, which has been enormously successful. And I have stats here of several businesses from Ansonia and Derby that have taken advantage of it. And statewide, I mean, you know, again, not just Ansonia and Derby, but statewide, we have funded um, over $241 million, helping over 1,500 employers. And, and could you explain to me as a, as a layman, what, how does that program benefit? What specifically does it do for local business? Well, there are several aspects to it, but it's basically a one-page application, which, if you're familiar with, with state government, is a huge Thing. Unheard of. Yes, I mean, you know, even my gr my ten year old granddaughter could fill out the grant application. Quite frankly, um, but it allows it allows businesses, whether it's a revolving loan fund, and you would, you, I'm sure you know how the revolving loan fund works. You borrow a, an amount. Um, as it gets paid back, you're able to lend it back and do things with it, um, whether it be a job creation loan. There are several different, a matching grant. There are several different aspects to it. But it just allows businesses, particularly small businesses, to be able to just get that little bit of help that they need to get them over the hump. And there's been um, at least four businesses here in Ansonia and about three or four in Derby that have taken taken uh, advantage of this and and I say God bless them you know uh, the problem that we have done quite frankly uh, that, that we have is that it's not advertised enough so hopefully people that are listening to this podcast will know that we have this great program available to them you have a long history here in Ansonia. I mean, you were, you were, you were born in Derby. You are raised in Ansonia. Mm -hmm. I, I'm one, and, and I guess you had a whole, I was reading your CT Mirror bio. Mm -hmm. uh, congratulate me on my, on my research. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, you had a career in banking before yes, you I went. Yes, I did. In, yes, right here on Main Street. Yeah, what was, just taking a, a, a tangent here, uh, what was the name of the bank? Which bank uh, was it? started it? off as the Savings Bank of Ansonia, which was a longtime institution, and then um, after many years, we just we felt that we needed to expand our base. The Ansonia name was limiting, so we changed the name. Only the name changed to Great Country Bank. Um, several years after that, during um, the crazy time of all the various bank mergers, uh, we, we did go through several mergers, and uh, we became Center Bank, we became Wells Fargo, we became... Uh, um, Bank of America, I think. There were a number of different banks, but yeah, I was right here on was Main Was that the Street. one that used to be at Obsidium? Like way uh, back in the day? Way back in the day. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. long, the, long we were, time uh, ago. We wrote a story about uh, there was like a, a bank riot there back Beautiful in like 1916. Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and, and and it was basically across the street. Where Wells Fargo right, is now. Right, 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 Where yeah. Wells Fargo is now, What yes. type of work did you do in the bank? I started off as a teller and then worked my, up, my way up into management. And then from there, you transitioned into uh, public service. What was your first job? I did, actually. And that, and that was um, that was a result of all of the mergers. Um, I just, you know, I had almost 20 years in banking. I was offered a package and took advantage of it, went back and finished my education, received my degree, and uh, went into um, public service. And you, what was your first job in, in the public sector? Actually, uh I actually was a uh, sessional employee for Senator Crisco 
while I was going to school. Um, and that kind of got me interested in the state level of politics. And then I was hired by former Mayor Delavope in his administration. And, and I worked for him until I be got elected. What was your position under uh, mayor in Mayor Delavope's Vope, De administration? Uh, government liaison, chief of staff. I did a little bit of everything. And then, like taking into account all that experience, what is the biggest challenge in terms of economic development, specifically to Derby and Ansonia? It seems like we were almost sort of unique in the challenges we face in terms of the old factory buildings, brownfields. Mm. Uh, Transportation. I guess I'm, sure. I'm, answer, I'm asking Taxes. a question and trying sure, to answer it. Sure, Sorry. But, sure. what, but you have the experience. You know much better than I. Well, I, I think part of the uh, challenge is, you know, more and more businesses are finding that they want to be in the centers. They want to be in the cities. Um, so it becomes very, um, it becomes very um, advantageous for them to look closer to cities because they're trying to draw younger workers and younger workers like to be in the cities and in the heart of activity. So that's one of the challenges. How do we overcome something like that? That's. I think we just need to keep on working, continuing marketing ourselves. I mean, let's look at Ansonia and Derby. Um, we're right off of Route 8. We're right off of Route 34. Um, we have a rail line uh, with transit-oriented development. That, those are things that are really important. And, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, you, you got to keep out there. You got to keep promoting and, and keep doing it. And the more you do it, um, the more likely it is to come in. And then we wanted to, uh, then switching gears here, we wanted to talk about the uh, judge's decision that recently uh, came down in terms of education funding. Mm -hmm. And I'll throw it over to Ethan, who's our uh, local education expert. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Trying to set you up. I don't know how to help do us. It. Last, uh, well, basically last month, the judge, Judge Malkisher, handed down a decision. Malkisher. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, say, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even attempted to say it was a good life. try in a long pending uh, education funding lawsuit that pretty much. I mean, his decision pretty much served as a 90 page indictment of the uh, public school system as it is now. Uh, late last week, Attorney General George Jepson announced he would appeal the ruling, which will delay the judge's 180 day deadline uh, to the General Assembly to come up with a way to fix uh, schools. Uh, I guess, first of all, was Jepson right to appeal or, you know, a lot of Republicans came out and say, oh, this is a delay tactic from Malloy's administration. Uh, what's your take on, on the appeal? First, uh, My take is I'm extremely disappointed in the ruling, quite frankly, um, for a number of years. Actually, since uh, probably since I've been up there every year, each and every year, a bill is submitted to fully fund ECS to fully fund special education and it quite frankly it's a numbers game unless you have 76 votes in the house and 19 in the senate it just does not go and there are many people up there um, legislators from the gold coast legislators from the shorelines you know legislators from communities that are that are you know in much better economic standing than our communities that that fight it tooth and nail and um it just doesn't go. So 
to me, the ruling was a blessing in disguise. I mean, being court mandated to have to fully fund education, uh, you know, was an answer to certainly my prayers and many others. Uh, so I'm just I'm really disappointed in, in the appeal. Okay, and then like the, I, I should have prefaced it, uh, you know, the, the the lawsuit had to do mainly with the education cost share, sharing grant. Uh, that's the ECS uh, grant you mentioned that comes from the state uh, as well as special education. But the decision sort of uh, surprised a lot reaching. of people, but it, it went way beyond that. Yes, it did. Saying, you know, just one example, he said the teacher evaluation system was, quote, cotton candy in a rainstorm. Um, you know, went on to note all the disparities as you just did between, you know, Gold Coast suburban schools and more challenging districts like Ansonia's. Um, I mean, that's not revelatory news. So how do you like how do you fix it? Like we've known this problem has existed. Is it just a matter of f uh, funding those grants fully or is, you know, do you do something more drastic like ending home rule and like bringing it under the state? Like what, what, what do you see as like the long term fix? Uh, for education. Well, I think, we, again, we're going to have to get through this appeal. But um, and I think the reason for the appeal was the decision was way too far reaching. Um, you know, the original intent of the lawsuit, because at the time, Ansonia was actually one of the plaintiffs in the original. Um, they had since dropped out, I guess, because of uh, of um, budget budgeting and money and so forth. But uh, I was involved in the original uh case way back when and it was just about the funding so where all of this other stuff came from i i really have no idea um but yeah i think you know we look at education and we look at education very very carefully each and every year and um from my perspective i certainly would love to see the state step up and do more um and i think the local property tax um is very very much reliant um uh, on funding a portion of education, and I don't know that that is sustainable. And, and like, I just want to be like you said that the decision went too far, but the, you were also disappointed in the appeal. So, was it just like one of those things where like you were disappointed they appealed, but you also had problems with the decision, or, or I just I was disappointed that they appealed. Okay. I was not surprised because it was so far reaching, but it is a big disappointment. From so my perspective, it would be much easier to fund education if, in fact, it had a state mandate. And would you a, be a confident that like, the, the General Assembly within that 180 days could come up with something that... I think the time frame was probably unrealistic, um, but certainly a, a good start can be got can you know be gone in uh, 180 so days so you're basically saying like we're, we're gonna have to deal with it at some point why don't we just do it now like i would love to do it right now absolutely what's been happening uh behind the scenes since that decision came down it was such i mean not that i know anything but i was <laughs> shocked i thought because we always hear ansonia officials school officials they've been talking about mm. that lawsuit now every chance they get to the point where it's like guys it's, I, you think you're, it's never gonna it's, come on yeah and it's I never gonna very, happen. i've worked so. very closely with our local board of education so i know that they were putting a lot of eggs in that basket and it is a big disappointment to them i there's well they're they're happy that the uh the, the lawsuit i mean they viewed it as it kind of went into their in their favor because it's going to change the formula, yes right? absolutely the original the original decision but the appeal is a big disappointment gotcha. to them and i can't blame them for that and what are lawmakers doing now since in the last week or so since it's come down are there is anything happening are you talking amongst yourselves about how you're going to deal with this uh order sure 
Sure. Um, we're going to be looking at it very, very closely. Um, there's a number of things that we're going to be looking at for the next session. As a matter of fact, uh, there's going to be a, um, a Democratic leadership press conference tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be done at Goodwin College. Um, and I guess I could give you a couple of hints there, but then I'd have to kill you. So you're going to have to wait for <laughs> well, that. Well, this will this will broadcast uh, next Monday. <laughs> that was a joke for anybody <laughs> listening. Oh yeah, yeah. Nowadays, yeah. Right. Well, we understood that. We understood that. But Ethan, stop crying. The representative That's is not right. going to kill you. you need a safe space. <laughs> I wanted to ask you. I'm sorry. Were you done there? Because I yes, okay. yes. Uh, you were part of the Moore Commission. Yes. Uh, the Municipal Opportunities and Regional Efficiencies Commission. We love the R word, regional. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to uh, to ask you about because you know we we're, our business is here in, in Ansonia, and I live in in Derby, and uh, the the school issues are, are you know funding things like special education and just like you said we rely on the property tax uh, so much, and we have two WPCAs and two police departments and different transportation systems to take the kids to the school, and yet we're so uh, close. Did anything come out of that? commission specifically uh that's going to maybe save us money by yeah there's been several initiatives actually that came out of that commission and i'm glad you brought that up because uh we love the r word um uh, as you probably know uh speaker sharkey that was one of his babies to begin with and then when he moved up in leadership he actually put me as chair of planning and development which is the committee of cognizance that really was doing all of the regional initiatives. And I have to tell you, um, I just want to thank my opponent for giving a shout out the other day to the regional education bill. Uh, that was one of my bills, actually, that came out of Education Committee. It, it, we had proposed it, making it easier for school districts like Ansonia and Derby to be able to combine regional services within the school district not necessarily, we are not necessarily at the point where we're going to combine the whole school system, but we can combine things like the back office functions, the, ad the administration functions, the ordering functions, things like that. That was one of my bills, which was made a committee bill, came out, and uh, we, we did pass that. Um, there are a number of initiatives, too. Originally, I forgot how many economic development areas that we had in the state of Connecticut. There might have been like 15 or something. We've narrowed those down. We've increased the size of them, and we've narrowed them down to about six in the state now. Uh, so that was a regional initiative. And as you well know, we've already, we've regionalized the COGS, Council of Governments, where, uh, again, their area is much larger. And it just makes more sense. And it, it's things like this that we're going to continue to work on. Um, I'm working on a proposal for a, um, for a senior a senior respite care facility. Uh, that team is taking the initiative uh, to do the original application along with Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour. Um, those are all things that we can look at. Things like equipment for public works. I mean, is it necessary for Ansonia and Derby, and yes, even Seymour, to have three or four street sweepers? Maybe we only need two. And, and we alter the times that we sweep our streets. Um, we've already done it with um, uh, a dog pound. We, we did something with the dog pound. And yeah, I think you're going to see that it's going to keep popping up more and more and more uh, because 
It just does not make sense to fund 169 initiatives. Uh, It's not feasible to keep on doing it. It's not sustainable. And what was the team project uh, you had mentioned, a, a respite? or? What? Yeah, it's actually a daycare center for adult, uh, for seniors. Oh, God. and it's a senior center, or the community center in Seymour that's yes, talking about? It's it? look okay. at, we're looking at the community center. Um, we're working very closely on that, and we've actually got all of the local Valley delegation on both sides of the aisle. We're working together very closely on that in a bipartisan way to get this done. And and that's the way I've always done business in Hartford. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get anything done. I'm very, very, very proud of my bipartisan efforts. I can cross over to the aisle anytime. Um, and there are there are more times than not that I get support on the Republican side of the aisle just as much as I get on the Democratic side of the aisle. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, I I was just going to, as a follow-up, you talked about that bill to help consolidate education, but it, I don't know, it seems that like when the rubber actually meets the road in a lot of these conversations, like they just go nowhere. I remember, must have been in 2012, that there was a meeting between the two, um, you know, uh, school administrations, I guess, over in Derby, and they, there was like, you know, it was a productive meeting, um, but at the end of it, they basically said, well, you know, like the, the Derby teachers contract, they have higher pay than the Ansonia teachers contract. So like then it just sort of like there was no follow ups. There was no like nothing ever came of it. And I'm just wondering, like that 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 bill exists and it makes it easier is great. But like it doesn't just do see, it just it doesn't seem like there's the political will. How do you get, how do like, get buy in on the local level? Because yeah, I know yeah. the Derby school district prior to the current uh, superintendent had floated, you know, they had a subcommittee of their Board of Ed set up, and they had floated the idea of combining uh, Irving and Bradley because the smallest mm. city in the state has two schools, same, uh, you know, same mm. elementary schools, uh, 1.2 miles apart. And the resistance was from the parents in the two schools. Yeah, yeah. They wanted nothing to do and, with And it. even the, the, the dog pound thing, there was people in Seymour who yeah. fiercely opposed to that. So, yeah. I mean, it just seems... But I think you have to I mean, start there's small. There's going to be opposition to everything. But. Right, absolutely. And, and I don't, they're challenges. And I think they're, they can be overcome. And I think you start small. I mean, if you start with things like admin functions and ordering functions, I mean... You know, who's opposed to that? That doesn't hurt anybody. And once you you find efficiencies, cost efficiencies and savings in that, then people are more likely to listen. And the other thing that we've talked about for a long time, and I just secured um, over a million dollars to do a a feasibility report and an engineering report, is the WPCA. I mean, we have a... 50 plus million dollar brand new facility less than um, you know just slightly over a mile away derby is under order from the federal government and the state government to do something you know now can can we treat each other's water maybe can can we handle the storm water um, drain off maybe some say yes some say no but you don't really know until you get an engineering report on it and that's what this engineering report will do and and i think that's a win-win for everybody i know i just paid my 270 dollar user fee or um builder fee or whatever they call it to ansonia and um you know jerby's being hit with all kinds of taxes and so forth i think 
our residents and our taxpayers would welcome something like that. Now, I, I know from covering Derby and, and covering some of these WPCA meetings, there was a lot of resistance internally, perhaps uh, off the record or unattributed among there were there was there was fierce resistance to that because that what you're talking about that study had been uh, on the table for a while i think it was announced under uh former mayor delavope mm. and it was one of those things that sort of went out into the yeah if i could interrupt you go, for a minute ahead. it yeah. was announced but it was never funded and it was never officially done um and then there was an argument or a disagreement as to who actually would do it which is why in fact when i secured this money i made sure that it was an impartial a third party yeah. third party um individual you know company that could give us an you know a good opinion rather than a tainted opinion and where does that study stand? It's it's ongoing right now. I guess it started. It was or? just re recently approved by the RPIP, which is the Regional Performance Incentive Program. Again, a regional grant program where municipalities that are applying for projects that are regional in nature and save significant dollars. I mean, let's face it. Um, when you're dealing with wastewater, clean water costs a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and we've got to make sure that the, the water that we're discharging into our rivers and Long Island Sound is clean, um, but we just don't want it to cost too much money. So um, this study was funded, and it's, it's a totally impartial um, company that will really tell us once and for all, can this be done? And then the decision must be made as to whether or not it should be done. Okay. Did you want to tackle the next question there, Ethan? Uh, 3B is yours. It's got your name on it. Uh, this is just something that, like, you, you've sort of touched on this already. Uh, local officials in the Valley, uh, you know, often, oh, it's the state. The state's killing us. The, you know, they hammer people, uh, you know, state officials, state Human elected officials. Terminally. Um, the state is like a big anonymous entity. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially with regard, to, like you've talked about special education, but that's something we've heard over and over again in, in, in Ansonia in particular. And Ansonia has, for a while, they've wanted to help sort of try to, you know, bend the cost curve downward uh, by putting some portable classrooms at Mead School and uh, educating some of their special education population in Ansonia rather than busing them out of district. Uh, and this all transpired over the summer. There was a, a push to get state funding for that. And at their most recent meeting uh, of the aldermen, uh, they they sort of announced that uh, there there's going to be some sort of state reimbursement for that. But just in 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 the whole um, run up to it, uh, I guess the, like was there confusion over like getting the paperwork done for that? Because I, I remember there was an email over the summer where you, you know, you basically said that like, you know, you, Joe, Joe Crisco and I get, you know, yelled at for saying, you know, oh, the state's letting us down. But then, you know, when we actually try to go to bat for you, you know, the, the city can't get the paperwork in time. So I just wanted to. Can you yeah, the paperwork was submitted. Um, the paperwork is all done. And I'm happy to say. Ironed out. I'm happy to say that uh, as I sit here in front of you today, yes, the uh, the Antonia schools are getting six portable classrooms that the funding was secured by myself and Senator Crisco, and those classrooms will be coming. And I guess, I don't Do know. Do we know is when? It, I, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Is, that, that's, is it next? I think the next next school year, is there going to be they ready? should They will be up and ready by the next school year. I don't know when they're being actually delivered, but they will be up and running by the next school year. And I guess is that just, I guess, is that 
part of the job, I guess, just getting flack from, you know, local officials about that sort of thing? Or is, does, sure. did you find that sort of thing? Sure. Especially it's easy frustrating? to blame the state. <laughs> but I, I guess it just goes with the, uh, you don't want to go off on anybody, anybody right now about that? No, it doesn't. You know, unlike go off on you. <laughs> unlike other people, no, it doesn't. I don't believe in pointing figure, fingers at anybody. I just believe in getting it done. Let's just do it and get it done. Okay. One thing I want to, this is totally uh, changing the subject now, but uh, this, uh, I don't know anything about this uh, uh, law, but it came from you, I believe, and it was the, the Brownsfield, I'm just going to read it, an act concerning the creation of Connecticut Brownfield Land Banks. Land Banks, yes, it's a wonderful bill, and yes, it did come from me. Yeah, and, uh, and it came out of the Commerce Committee. We made it a Commerce Committee bill. Explain why yes. it's important for Ansonia And again, Derby. I'd like to thank my opponent for bringing that up, too. You know, I guess he approves of the job I'm doing, so thank you, Joe Yalman. Explain how, why is it, why was it needed? But the governor vetoed it, and it's DOA right now, or... But first, let's talk about, maybe we'll talk about why it was needed for yeah, yeah. Derby and Sonia. I guess you don't have to look too far out our window to see the formal, former Farrell uh, mm. complex right next door. All right, we're back live. We had two uh, little technical difficulties there. We're a nonprofit, people. What do you want? There's a <laughs> donate button on Facebook and on uh, valleyindy.org. But we were talking about this... Uh, land banks. Yeah, the land bank. Why does Derby and Ansonia, why, why did you come up with this uh, idea? Well, again, you know, one of, uh, one of the key things for solving uh, some of the budget crisis here in the state of Connecticut is going to be economic development. And one of the things that is um, um, a challenge to overcome, quite frankly, is we have an enormous amount of brownfield, contaminated brownfield properties. And as you might know, brownfield properties are very, very expensive to remediate. So um, we have given a number of tools to municipalities along the lines of brownfields to be able to help with remediation, but we've never given them to developers. And let's face it, it's the developer who has to develop the property. It's not necessarily the city or town. So, you know, we were um, actually in a uh, subcommittee meeting, uh, actually an informal meeting, a bunch of us were talking and I said, well, why can't we just give developers the same toolbox and the same tools that we give to municipalities, and it would make it easier for them to do remediation and an incentive to buy a piece of property and remediate it. Um, and everybody on the committee said, yeah, that's a great idea, let's do it. And it came out of committee. And uh, I was very proud of that bill. I don't know why, quite frankly, the uh, governor um, vetoed it, but again, I will say that um, it, I was very disappointed in the veto, and I absolutely intend to bring that bill back. Yeah, and, and if you, if anyone goes uh, online, I'd recommend you go to ctmirror.org, uh, and on the right-hand side, you can find your local legislator, and uh, there's uh, links to, to this bill where you can read the whole thing from the uh, the government website, and it's an extensive bill. So It is very extensive, but again, it does out. a lot for the developers to be able to remediate these properties and bring them back to life and put them on the tax rolls. What was the, the other thinking? thing that we did, um, and again, it was, I've been involved in brownfields, um, quite frankly, 
uh, since my time working for the mayor. And um, it actually is kind of a passion of mine. So I, I really believe in these bills to help us remediate and, and develop these properties that we have. But um, another bill that we passed that, you know, goes hand in hand with this, again, going back to developers, uh, you talk about the Ansonia Copper and Brass property. That's 40-some-odd acres. Uh, let's face it. Unless you're a developer with unlimited access to capital and cash, that's a big nut to crack. But, you know, again, uh, in a brainstorming session and just chatting about some of the things these things, you know, again, I said, look, why do we have to have them develop or clean, remediate every single bit of that piece? Why can't we do it in segments, in, in a partial? So, you know, if you purchase the 40-acre site, but you're only going to develop these five acres here, let's remediate that. Allow them to do that. And then, you know, maybe they do another four acres over here, well, let them do that as well. Eventually, the whole parcel gets cleaned. But in the meantime, you're building your grand list and you're collecting taxes. That just makes sense. And get sense. a ring of eyesores. Build, that these just buildings makes are falling sense. Apart. Come on. That's a no-brainer. Do you know, have you talked to the governor or his office or anybody about why he would veto that bill? I think the Mirror mentioned something about the state was worried about a loss of revenue. Yeah, according to the so. Mirror, it said Malloy said he supported the bill's intent but it could have resulted in millions of dollars in lost revenue to the state. I don't know. I guess that whether they would, that would involve like forgiving taxes or so. I don't, I don't know what the, Let's it doesn't the go into like the details. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I would respectfully disagree with the opinion. I, I guess that's what I need to say. I, I, I'm not so sure that it would be millions of dollars in lost revenue, but um, I, I would like to rather look at it and say that it could be millions of dollars in revenue to our cities and states. Hmm. So, you know, there again, and that's less less need for the state to provide funding in terms of grants and so forth to city and states if they're put building, you know, developing these properties and allowing this to happen. I wanted to ask you a, a derby uh, question, even though this might not the way you explain the district, it might not exactly, well, you're involved anyway. The Route 34 widening and the downtown uh, mm -hmm. redevelopment mm -hmm. project there, mm -hmm. do you play any role in trying to sort of crowbar these things uh, into action? I know the Route 34 is going to happen, but it always seems to be, and I know I'll get, I'll get yelled at by public officials, it always seems to be a little bit delayed. It seems like whenever we check on it, it's always a little bit more down the road. You know yeah, where it is? Yeah, my involvement only to the extent that when they look for um, public input and so forth, uh, we, we usually will comment or, you know, suggest that uh, it be done with little disruption as possible to the flow of, of traffic. Um, I mean, let's face it, 34 is a very heavily traveled route. Um, and, and you just have to be sensitive to people who are commuting back and forth to work, people commuting, you know, to... Um, whatever. And how about the, in terms of the downtown redevelopment zone on the south side of Main Street going from uh, the Derby Shelton Bridge down to the former Life Touch property. Yes. Does the city reach out to you uh, in any way to, for help in getting yeah, anything I look, done there? I work very closely with um, both administrations in the city of Derby and the city of Ansonia, quite frankly. Um, and they're always reaching out for whether it's um, money for a feasibility 
feasibility study, um, money for economic development or whatever. And I'm very proud of what I've been able to bring into the district. Um, it isn't always easy, and uh, I think I've been pretty successful at it. So That's another one I was thinking when, as you were uh, listing some of those. And the other one in Derby is the parking garage. Mm. We need money to fix our, our crumbling uh, parking garage. I guess it's a long list of, uh, of to-dos and, and a wish list in Derby. So the next couple of questions, Ethan, go at it. You're over Sorry. there checking uh, CT Murr, no, fact-checking me. I just got uh, an alert. Uh, you, what's his name from the Today Show? You make him look like uh, Matt Lauer. You're way ahead of him. You fact-check on the spot. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, the the uh, Something else we w- uh, wanted to ask you about, um, an act extending the municipal property tax relief to retired volunteer firefighters. Oh, that was mine. I didn't know if that was existing or if that's a new uh, uh, state law. It was It's actually it, it, that was actually a new one. Okay. Uh, there are some there are some tax um, credits that that are already on the books, but each and every year quite frankly, there's a number of bills that are put forward to kind of help out our volunteers. As you well know, um, all of all of our e, um especially our firemen, our volunteers. EMTs, we have some volunteers, some paid. And, of course, our police department is is a paid department. But, um, again, with the number of hours and the um, the commitment they, that they have to the community, it's, in, in my mind, and, and many legislators on both sides of the aisle up in Hartford, we need to provide something for our volunteers, and every year there's tax credits that are put forward. Um, your opponent said uh, when he was here last week that he would be in favor of repealing the gun restrictions the General Assembly passed uh, pretty overwhelmingly after uh, Sandy Hook. Uh, you voted for the measures, so I'm assuming you wouldn't repeal them. Um, are they good as is? Or should they have gone further? Uh, any comment? Yeah, I I would like to comment on that. Um, You know, this is very, very, very personal to me. I don't know if you guys are aware of it or not, but um, several years ago, uh, right, actually right after the Gabby Giffords uh, tragedy, I received a threat to myself um, from a local Ansonia resident. Um, I was under a full protective order because there was a cache of weapons in his house, including submachine guns, Uzis, a closet full of um, military-grade ammunition and so forth. So I'm very sensitive when it comes to guns. You know, my life was threatened. And, you know, okay, my life, I chose this life, and, and I will deal with it. But what concerned me most about that is, as you probably know, I take my grandchildren with me whenever possible, uh, to whether it be a ribbon cutting or to speaking engagements, whenever practical and whenever possible. And it suddenly hit me that I could be putting their lives in danger, and that to me was totally unacceptable um, and a real slap of reality. And um, so when the Sandy Hook thing came up, um, and by the way, the children, uh, those little angels that were killed are, were the same age as, as my grandchildren, um, and the resulting legislation after it, um, I felt very strongly about needing to do something for not necessarily gun control. I don't call it gun control, but for gun safety. Um, and from my perspective, I think the ban on the, um, the, uh, 
high capacity clip uh, was a good thing. I know my opponent said that there was no data as to whether or not that works or not, but you know, I would beg to differ. And even if there was no empirical data, I mean, it stands to reason that if you have to take 30 seconds or 20 seconds or 40 seconds to reload, um, that's 30 seconds that somebody can hide and save. And if you've saved one life, then to me, it's well worth it. So uh, I think what we did was a bipartisan compromise. Um, the caucuses were combined. We worked together. Um, and I'm very proud of that. And, and many a tears were shed um, from both sides of the aisle. I mean, you saw legislators just holding each other up and embracing each other. And um, yeah, I think I'm very proud of what we did. And I, I don't think it went too, too far. Um, I, you know, again, I, I think we need to be reasonable about it. I don't necessarily favor gun control. I respect people's Second Amendment right, but I do favor gun safety. Okay. And uh, he also, um, as long as we're on your opponent for a second, uh, he also issued a debate challenge uh, last week. He wants to debate you three times. Uh, will there be any debate in the 104th district this year? Debating three times is just not physically possible. I mean, that you know, there's, what, less 50-something days to election, and that's not possible. And quite frankly, um, from my perspective, um, other than a federal election, I don't see that there's any, um, any good in debating. Uh, you know, you can go to a venue, and, um, you know, I can stack the audience, he can stack the audience, and, and a moderator... Uh, can ask questions, but are those really the questions that are on your voters' minds? Um, sometimes I think not. You know, obviously on a federal level, it's much different. It's impossible to reach out to each and every voter. But in a district like this, I say go right to the people. I, you know, I am all in favor of knocking on that door, ringing that bell, and talking directly to my voters in the, the comfort of their home, right on their own doorstep. Although, um, I'm a little bit handicapped now with a bum foot, so I don't know how many I can reach, but I'm still going to be out there trying, that's for sure. Okay. Well, I, I, I had, a, I mean, I'm a little surprised at that, at that answer, only because, uh, I don't know, when, when you knock on a door, do they ask you, or does a resident ask you about Brownsfields, or... Sure. They may not necessarily know what Brownfield is, but um, they have no problem saying, hey, Linda, while you're here, what's happening down in Antonio Copper and Brass? And then you talk to them about it and you explain, you know, what a Brownfield is and the contamin. They understand the contamination, um, but they don't they don't know process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. They don't have any problem talking about it at all, at least none that I've would been you made be willing to, uh, I mean, if, because uh, the thing about these debate questions, people always, on the state level, they approach us to mm. sponsor debates, and we don't have the resources, nor time, nor expertise on the state issues to, to host any of these. So I don't even know in these days with the newspaper consolidating and all the media stuff, whether anybody could even put one of these together. But would you uh, just uh, appear like in, in the same room with them in front of reporters and just talk back and forth? I think I I've, done, I as a member I've done that already. I mean, we, you know, I mean, when you're on the campaign trail, your paths are going to cross. I have no problem 
problem being in the same room with them answering questions? Absolutely not. Okay, because I was thinking like when when somebody I mean I, you know I our paths cross all the time. People knock on my door, but I might you know so I may ask a politician a question, but it would be beneficial to have both people give answers because. No, you know, when I'm knocking on doors, I get questions about what's happening. I answer any cop and brass. I get um, uh, here's another thing, too. I mean, obviously, people confuse and and confuse the line and get, you know, a little bit uh, um, discombobulated about, you know, what's state, what's federal, what's local and so forth. But you help them out a lot with that, too. And you can sit down and you can explain, you know, what the state covers, what the city covers, what the federal government covers. Um, I was just out knocking on a door uh, last week, as a matter of fact, up by Prendergast School and an elderly gentleman was having a problem with his Social Security. Uh, and, you know, I, we talked for a while. Well, it, it became very clear to me that his problem was a federal problem. But I was able to contact uh, Rosa DeLauro's office, and um, it, that's being worked out. So, yeah, the, people are, are not afraid of, of speaking up, um, at least in my experience they're not. And I'm grateful for that because then I, I know exactly what's on their minds, and I work for them. Okay. As we uh, close this out, is there anything that you wanted to touch upon that perhaps we're not uh, asking you that you wanted to tell our listeners? Sure. Any news you want to break? Um, any news I want to break? Well, you know, just obviously I've received a number of endorsements, and endorsements are always done in a bipartisan manner. So, you know, I think that that's good. I just gave you a couple today, and hopefully you'll be printing those up, but I've been endorsed by the Working Families Party, um, AFT Connecticut, which is the uh, American Federation of Teachers, the Connecticut Realtors, the Connecticut Chapter of Now, National Organization of Women, and obviously the Ansonia Democratic Town Committee and the Derby Democratic Town Committee. Um, I've gotten a number of legislative awards uh, through my tenure, and again, those are always done in a bipartisan bipartisan manner and I'm very proud of that so um, you know there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to be facing some very very uh, difficult challenges over the next year or two Um, and I think that is important for Ansonia and Derby to have a leader that knows how to how to uh, face those challenges, um, knows who to go to, to to find the answers, knows how to work it, as opposed to um, a new individual coming in who um, doesn't even know where the restrooms are. Okay, and on that note, I want to thank you, Representative Gentile, for talking to the Valley Indy. We truly appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you very much.